Hallelujah. So we just want to thank you, those that are joining us online, and we just speak a blessing over you in Jesus' name. I, uh, I uh, As we were praying for some people tonight, there was a word of unlock. It was like there was an unlocking. There was an unlocking. There was an unlocking. And I saw, I saw like three treasure chests. And, and I don't know if there were treasures in there or wisdom in there or knowledge in there or whatever it was that was in there. But it was almost like the treasure chest was being unlocked. And it was, it was like the key. I saw the key turn. And then you know how the, the shaft of the lock is unhooks. And, and I saw it unhook. And one of them I saw open up and then the other two were still there. So I don't know if that's you, if that'll, that'll help you tonight. If, uh, if uh, as we look into the Word of God, uh, God's going to unlock some things tonight. Amen? So I wanna, we want to talk a little bit about prophecy. Prophecy in the kingdom of God. And um, the last few weeks, I appreciate your prayers last week. Um, thank you for the testimonies. I sat at home and watched and, and went online and sent over some stuff and uh, and uh, encouraged people that, was, that were watching online with me. But I know last week was a great night of testimony and uh, also worship. Um, with the week before, we talked a little bit more about the kingdom of God. And I've been on the kingdom of God journey for probably 20, uh, 20, probably 20 years. I was probably two years in the ministry. And then I was challenged to look up the word kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. And I went through the New Testament and highlighted my Bible. And I'm going to ask you guys to turn with me real quick to Daniel, because we're going to jump in the Old Testament. How many of you know God, um, we're a prophetic, apostolic, prophetic church, and we believe in prophecy, amen? We believe in prophecy. We believe that it's the word of the Lord, and even New Testament-wise, that the word of the Lord comes, and you speak forth a word, edifying and encouraging um, to, those, uh, to those that hear so as we learn about the kingdom of God and, and we uh, walk in the kingdom of God, we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about the characteristics of the kingdom of God, we talk a little bit about righteousness in the kingdom of God. I hope you guys got something out of that because our righteousness is not based on the law, our righteousness is based on what Jesus done. He is our righteousness. And I really was, as I was looking at the prophetic word you see in the old in the Old Testament, a lot of times there's a lot of different prophecies about Jesus, a lot of different prophecies about the Messiah that He's coming. And I want us to look if we we're talking about the kingdom of God. I want to talk about there is a foundational prophecy for the kingdom of God. Did you know that there was a foundational prophecy that the kingdom of God was going to come. And I want us to look at that today, tonight, real quick. We've got a little bit of time. Daniel chapter 2. When you look at Daniel, this was, uh, Daniel was um, uh, an Israelite. He was well-educated. He was, the Bible um, it talks about how, how, probably how well-groomed he was. He was a fit young man. What they would do is when Babylon or the Babylonians would capture the Israelites at this time, they would take the Israelites, but they would go in, and when they would take out the brightest, the smartest, come on, they would take the best ones, and they would actually pull them, and they would begin to train them and teach them. It's kind of like what you may see some of uh, our universities do here in the United States. There's Harvard and Yale, the Ivy Leagues. 
They go out to these other high schools and get the, the kids that have a higher score on the ACTs and all the testing that they do. They look at them, they test them, see what gifts and talents and abilities they are. Private schools they'll pull from. So this is what happened with, with the Babylonians. When they went to war with the Israelites and they captured Israel, Israel was then uh, captured by Babylon, we see David was one of those young men. So I want to get into the Word of God tonight, and I want to look at something. My message tonight, by the way, is prophecy of the kingdom of God. Let's go back and see what my, my last slide, the slide you have just before that. Just stay at Daniel chapter 2. I want us to, I'm just going to read along then with this, and he just showed you the, the picture of the statue, but we're going to read and get to it, amen? I'm going to read out of the New American Standard, Daniel chapter 2, page what, 1386 in my Bible. <laughs> Daniel chapter 2. Um, now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was troubled and sleep left him. How many of you realize that dreams are part of prophecy? Yes. Yeah. You can have the word of knowledge, you can, you can be a feeler, you can, but their dreams and visions are part of the prophetic gifting in which we operate in. So we see that Nebuchadnezzar actually had this dream, and it says he was troubled in his spirit, and, and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in, they stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream in my spirit, and is anxious to understand the dream. The Chaldeans spoke of the, the king of Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command of me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn from limb to limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. How many, look at me just a second. How many of you know you better be serious about interpreting this man's dream because life is not going to be good for you and, and it's like, okay, God, if you're going to give me something, give it to me now. But let's see how God... There is a situation here where God began to move. And I want you to know that the situations that you're in, God's going to begin to move. Yes. And you may begin to see that. So take a look at this. Verse 6. But if you declare the dream and its interpretations, you will receive from me gifts and a reward of great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time, and he said, Let the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that your bargaining time, inasmuch as you have seen that the command from me is firm. So they're negotiating with him, probably giving him a little more time so they can have time to be able to interpret this dream. That if you want to make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. You have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation has changed. Therefore, tell the dream that I may know that you can declare its interpretation. So how about that twist there, Mother? He's saying, you tell me my dream. He didn't even wasn't going to tell them the dream. He said, you tell me my dream. The Chaldeans answered the king and they said, there is not a man on earth who could de declare the matter for the king. Inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. 
Verse 11, moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult. And there's no one else who can declare it to the king except God, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Because, this is, because of this, the king became indigent and very furious and gave orders to destroy all of the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth, and the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to be able to kill him. So obviously, how many of you know Daniel wasn't involved in this group right then? He wasn't there because they had to go look for him. Okay? So let's check this out and see what happens if they find Daniel. Verse 14. Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Ariok, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Ariok, the king's commander, For what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? And Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three guys. This was a posse. Daniel had his posse with him, right? He had his three guys that hung out with him, and, and they, uh, they, they, were, uh, they, were, they were great friends, but they were also... <coughs> Very intelligent, smart, and gifted men of God. So that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. I was wondering, I thought, is it where Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach were like, okay, Lord, give us the dream, but it's okay if you take care of those other guys. It's okay if, you know, the, the king is burnt, is an edict or whatever. And then they, they go ahead and kill those other guys. Will you just give us the dream? I probably doubt that was the way it was. Their motives probably were probably a little more pure than mine. Verse 19. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, let the name of my God be blessed forever and ever. For wisdom and power belonging to him. It is he who changes the times and the epochs that he removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things, and he knows what it is in the darkness, and the light dwells in him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to, the king, known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went in to Ariok, to whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon, and he went and he spoke to them as follows. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I will de declare the interpretation to the king. Then Ariok hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence, and he spoke to him as follows. If I have found the man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king, the king said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar? Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king, and he said, As for my mystery, as for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men nor conjurers, magicians, or diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries and he is made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. 
Do you remember the scripture where it talks about in the New Testament that there is there's the mysteries of God? And who are the mysteries of God for? You can see it even in the Old Testament. The mysteries of God are for God's people. They're for, they're for God's people. And just like it was for David. He said, that's for you, king. While on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he reveals mysteries that have been made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than any other living man. But the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Daniel wasn't taking credit for it. And we can't take credit when God gives us something. We can't take credit for it. He was saying, look, Nebuchadnezzar's this mystery's come just so you can be relieved of your sleepless nights, right? Of your mind. How many of you really need God to do something to relieve something so you can have some peace? Yeah. And, and we're believing that God's going to do that. Amen? And I even believe that as this word is spoken forth, that there's going to be some things that are going to be released. So let's take a look at the king's dream. Let's see how Daniel had interpreted this. Verse 31. Because you're going to begin to see the prophecy of what Jesus was going to bring 600 and 550 years later. The king's dream, verse 31. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue which was large and extraordinary. Splendor was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of the statue was made of gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, and its legs of iron. It is partly the iron and partly the clay. You continued looking until the stone was cut without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet. From the iron and the clay, and he crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. I'm presenting to you tonight that this is the kingdom of God. That it's going to continue. Let's, we're going to take a look at some scriptures. So we see, now you can put them up my statue. There's a statue of Nebuchadnezzar that they were talking about. So Nebuchadnezzar has this dream. And in this dream that Daniel's telling him, he sees this, this statue. And when a great statue, it wasn't one you put on your coffee table. This was a great statue. Uh, I've read some different, different. Anybody ever seen in Tulsa where the big guy is out there by the, yeah. uh, by the like the fairgrounds or something they've got up there? That guy. I'm thinking it's a statue like that or bigger. <laughs> so he, say, he talks about that. And he goes on and he says, this was the dream. And now let's tell it in some interpretation before the king. So I want us to be able to look at this so we can begin to see the dream that was given and the prophecy that's coming forth of the interpretation of this dream. He says, verse 37, You, O king, are the king of kings, in whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom the power and the strength and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hands, 
and has caused you to rule over them all. You are the head of gold. So the head of gold is Babylon. You guys have to remember, this time in history, Babylon was the ruling nation of the world. Okay? Babylon was ruling, and um, I got I looked up some, I got some numbers on here that basically they they were ruling, and it's actually in a slide near the end. So the Babylon Empire was from 606 BC unto 539. And Israel was captured around 597. So Israel was captured. Babylon was the ruling nation in the world. And he goes on and he, he, he tells about that's the head. The gold head is Babylon. And he goes on and he says, After there will arise another kingdom inferior to you, and another, the third kingdom of bronze, will rule over all of the earth. So we begin to see the shoulders, right, which are of silver. This actually is the Medo-Persian Empire. And the Medo-Persian Empire took over Babylon in 593 B.C., or 539 B.C., and, and, and they were under, listen, under the rulership of a guy by the name of Cyrus. We have what we call a Cyrus in the White House today, meaning Israel was in bondage, and Cyrus, when the Medo-Persians took over and, and captured Babylon, Cyrus was the ruling emperor, and he was favorable and released the Israelites to go back to their homeland. Hello? He let them out of the bondage. So he began to see this. He sees the gold, which was, um, which was Nebuchadnezzar. We see the silver, which was the Medo-Persians. And then he goes on and it says the third kingdom was a kingdom of bronze. This kingdom here is actually the Greek kingdom, which was the next ones that ruled. It was the Greek Macedonian Empire. They ruled after the Medo-Persians. And then he comes on down and he says in, in verse 40, Then there will be a fourth kingdom, as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like the iron that breaks into pieces... It will crush and break all these pieces. And then you saw the feet and the toes, partly by the potter's clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom. If you go back into history and you look at Rome, Rome had a divided kingdom. where they That's why there was two legs to the statue and the, and the feet were made of clay and iron because Rome had a divided kingdom in and of itself. So I want to think it was either the north or the south or the east or the west, but it was divided and one was each. So that's why you've got the, the, the visual of the two legs of the statue and it being a divided kingdom. Rome ruled from 63 B.C. until over, well, actually 476, but they ruled up to 14, in the 1400s. Okay? So Rome... Okay, 63 B.C. Anybody have an idea when Jesus was born? They say somewhere around, I've heard 2 or 4 B.C. And then he was 30 years old. So somewhere around 28 to 30 to 34 A.D. Are you with me? Jesus was, was baptized on the earth. Are you with me? When he died. 
And who was the ruling nation when that happened to Jesus? Rome. Everybody say Rome. Rome. Little history lesson tonight. Little uh, Rome. So that was the fourth one. So we see Nebuchadnezzar. Let's go back to the other one. We see Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire. Um, let's go back to the statue, please. We see the gold head, which was Nebuchadnezzar. We see the Neo-Persians. We see the Greek. And we see Rome. And we're talking about if Israel was captured in 597 B.C. And Rome didn't gain power until 63 B.C., that's 534 years. Daniel was interpreting a dream from Nebuchadnezzar that was going to happen and how it was going to happen. And the end result was going to be 534 years in the future. 534 years. He was, he was interpreting his dream and that's what was going to happen in the future. Let's find out what's going to happen in the future. He says, I saw the feet and the toes partly apart. Um, this is verse 41. Go to 42. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay and they will combine with one another in the seed of men. But they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. Now, back in verse 35, we saw what? What destroyed that statue? Does anybody remember what that was? It was a stone, right? Has Jesus been called the chief stone, the cornerstone, right? The stone that the builders rejected, okay? So you begin to see a correlation between the stone that was cut out of the great mountain, right? And it struck the statue. So let's look at verse 44. I think I've got those scriptures for you, Mike. In those days, the days where he's talking about of the Medo-Persians and the Greeks and the Romans, he says, the God of heaven will set up a what? In those days, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom. Which makes me ask, did he not have it set up in the day of Daniel? Or was he setting it up in those days in the future? Are you with me? See, as it was set up, I believe that guess what was going to be released on the earth. And you're going to see that through Jesus in a moment. I've got a few more minutes, so... He goes, he goes this, he says, God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. That kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush and put an end to all of these kingdoms. But it will itself endure forever. Inasmuch, and now he's referring back to verse 34, inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain, without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. Great, the, the, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. And I've wondered, God, this was going to take place approximately 530-some years in the future. He's letting Nebuchadnezzar know that so Nebuchadnezzar can sleep better that night. 
like he's going to be there to see it? Or maybe did people live longer than we thought they lived back then? I don't know. Those are some of the mysteries that I'm sure you'll find out from, from the word of the Lord. He says, so the dream is true and its interpretations are trustworthy. So let's go back to the, uh, let's, let's do this. And as much as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain of hands, it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver. Let's go back to verse 44. There we go. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. That kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush and put an end to these kingdoms, but it itself will what? Endure forever. So I'm submitting to you tonight. There was a stone cut out the mountain. And that stone is a representation of Jesus. That stone, 534 years prior, when he had the dream, was to be cut out of that mountain, not by uh, natural hands. It was to be cut out of that mountain, and when these other empires, these other, can I put it this way, kingdoms were on the earth, that this stone was going to destroy all the others. The stone was going to destroy all the others. And that stone according to verse 35, was a stone that continued to grow. Isaiah 9, 7 says there shall be no end to the increase of his government. Him being Jesus, because Isaiah 6 is talking about the Jesus. is talking about Jesus. So when we begin to see that, we begin to realize that not only the head of gold was going to be destroyed, not only the arms of silver was going to be destroyed, the thighs of bronze were going to be destroyed by the Greek and the, and the, and the Macedonian Empire. And somebody that you probably have heard or familiar was involved with the Macedonian Empire. Was there anybody ever heard of Alexander the Great? He was involved and in he was an emperor in the Macedonian, the Greek Empire. And then the legs of iron from Rome. So he is prophesying that something's coming. 500, are you with me? Y'all getting this? 563 years before Jesus not only arrived on the earth, but when he came in, in Matthew 4.17 and said, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is what? It's here. I'm bringing in this kingdom. And we can actually go back and look and see prophetically where the kingdom was announced 534 years prior through Daniel. So what we're looking at is we see the prophecies of Jesus. We see how he was coming. We see the Messiah was coming. But nobody's ever probably tried to connect and say, wait a minute. This was the kingdom of God that was coming. Because remember I asked you, what did Jesus preach when he was on the earth? The kingdom. He preached the kingdom. He didn't preach five steps for faith, although that's great. He didn't preach five steps for healing, although that's great. He didn't preach 20 steps to get out of debt, although that's great. Come on, somebody. He preached the kingdom. And in Luke chapter 9, he had taught the disciples... And he sent him out. And he sent him out to preach what? 
the kingdom. He didn't send them out and say, preach Jesus, preach me. All your disciples go out and preach me. Knock on the door, tell them Jesus is on the way. No, it was to cleanse the leper and heal the sick and raise the dead and all these things that Jesus had done. There were kingdom demonstrations. But when he did, he sent them out. And he said, say peace to the home. See, a lot of times what it is is we got it backwards, I think, church. We used to knock on doors and hand them a track. I don't know about you, but I've done that. Anybody had the door slammed in their face? Yeah, that's, that's it's tough. Well, you're suffering for the Lord. Well, maybe I wasn't doing it right. Maybe I should have done it the way Jesus said the disciples have. And he said, speak peace to the home. Are you with me? He said, go on in. Heal the sick. Yes. Raise the dead. Do those things. Demonstrate the kingdom. And then say, oh, by the way, the kingdom of heaven is near. We try to tell them they need Jesus. And, and, and all they were doing is closing their door. They're like, I just need a job. I just need a job. I need a car, need transportation, you've got to have some gas. And that's all well and good, but he was there to preach the kingdom. And he sent the disciples out to preach the kingdom. So there's some additional scriptures. Next week, I, I got, well, next week, it won't be next week, it'll be the week after. Um, but a week after, I'll give you a, a set of different scriptures for the, I pulled them all off, the Old Testament and the New Testament, those that can reference each other. And I got a couple of pages of scriptures that I want to be able to give you. Because we are, we have to realize there is no end to the increase of his government. Amen. There is no end to the increase of his government. It's about the kingdom. Is there a prophecy in the Old Testament that talks about the kingdom? Yes. Daniel prophesied. Isaiah prophesied. When he said there's no end to the increase of his government, I'm wondering, did Daniel... And I'm wondering, did, did he, he knew what, Daniel knew what Isaiah prophesied. Isaiah knew that Daniel was going to prophesy this. See, sometimes we get so caught up in how many years have gone by. And 534 years had passed by, but yet Daniel saw it and said, guess what's coming? Guess what's coming? Guess what's coming? Guess what's coming? It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And I want to preface this. I don't believe that we're in the fullness of the kingdom. I don't believe that's going to be until Jesus comes back and we and we operate in the fullness of God. All right? Are you with me? Or some people might say, well, when you die, you go to heaven. Yeah, you're going to have the fullness of God when you get to heaven. Can I get an amen? amen. But, what, but what we're supposed to do here is have dominion, have rulership here on the earth. Take dominion over your thoughts. Take dominion over your life. Take dominion over your desires. Come on, somebody. Take dominion over those things that are coming against you. And, and we just want to release that tonight. So why don't you just stand to your feet. I know I've got a few minutes over, but I'm just thankful tonight for what God is beginning to do. There's the prophecy of the kingdom. We laid the foundation down for the kingdom. Let me just pray. If you will, just kind of lift your hand to the Lord tonight. Father, I thank you for your people here tonight. I thank you even as we pray tonight and bless people and strengthen them. God, we just know that there is going to be your movement of the kingdom. We thank you, God, that you have, have restored some things in our lives and you're going to continue to restore some things in our lives. And we pray a blessing over the people here tonight, not only those in this building, but those watching us online tonight. We speak for the kingdom of God, your goodness, your, your wholeness, your fullness. God, we thank you that it is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you touch people's lives tonight. I speak a peaceful, restful night's sleep for us tonight 
in everything that we do. Give us rest, Lord God. Give dreams and visions, Lord God. Maybe they won't be as so vital as what those things are for, for Nebuchadnezzar that Daniel was able to, to, to interpret his dream and save the lives of many people. But God, you are going to, our lives important. You give us dreams and visions tonight of what we need to be able to have and how we can go and advance the kingdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great evening tonight. Invite somebody for Sunday morning. We'll see you then. God bless.